Welcome to Liberty Station. I'm Bryce Eddy, where we are fighting hard to be a threat to the Great Reset. Today, our show is brought to you by my good friends at Devoted Capital, where they believe how you profit matters. They're dedicated to helping you align your investments with your values, empowering you to a life well-lived. So on today's episode, we have a couple of uh, what I call superheroes, although they, they call themselves at the end regular people. But um, we have Dr. Jeff Barkey and, and Mary Barkey on the show. Um, both of them have, because of a series of events going on that we've all seen, gotten involved in politics, gotten involved in setting up charter school. And we talk a little bit about what's happening in our schools. We also talk with Dr. Jeff about what's happening with COVID still and the state of emergency and some of the things that are still hanging over our head, especially with physicians and kind of getting outside of what they have as far as the consensus to deliver care and a couple other threatening things for doctors here in our state. So enjoy the show. Well, my fabulous guests today are Dr. Jeff Barkey and Mary Barkey, and I'm so um, pleased that you guys made this long drive up to uh, be here in studio with us, and I know you're going to speak in an event tonight uh, as well, and I'm excited to hear that. Um, so welcome. Yeah. Great to be with you. Yeah, thank Thanks you. for having us. Well, I'm excited to get the other half of informed dissent here because, you know, <laughs> I've had Dr. Mark McDonald on and uh, love him to death and and he's great. And so uh, I'm glad the uh, the other part to that uh, voice is here. Excellent. Yeah. No, um, and for the audience, uh, just so you guys know, uh, Dr. Jeff Barkey and Mark McDonald have an awesome podcast that we plugged before on the show, but it's called Informed Dissent. And you guys hit all kinds of topics, um, you know, from the medical field to, uh, you know, mass uh, psychosis that's going on these days and everything else. And I think you guys do a really good job. Yeah, well, thank you. We've had some very interesting guests. Most recently, we had Sebastian Gorka on. Yeah. And we got to interview Will Witt and his fiancée. Uh, Ava, and that was exciting and a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, they are both slotted to to come on this show here pretty soon. In fact, I was exchanging some uh, texts with Will earlier today, and you know, trying to to make that work because um, I'm interested in what she has to say. I've had sure. Will on before and love him, and he's always an amazing guest. But I know she's doing some amazing work. So yeah, well, people have to check that out. Um, so if you guys would real quick just, you know, describe your backgrounds and, you know, how you both came into the fight that we're all kind of mutually in right now. Yeah. Uh, no, you go. No. Are you sure? Yeah. All right. Uh, listen, I've been a physician for, you know, 30 plus years. Uh, that's, that's what I do for a living. And um, when our kids were young, uh, I got recruited to run for a local school board, Los Alamitos Unified. We were trying to solve some problems that seemed like they should be very easy, but were very difficult. Things like fixing a drinking fountain that a local plumber had offered to do for free, but we weren't allowed to because we needed to use union labor in order to fix it. Uh, putting air conditionings in that a local HVAC guy said he would donate the labor uh, and provide the equipment for cost, but we weren't allowed to do that because we had to use union contractors that made things very expensive and almost impossible. So a group of parents decided that the only way to get things done is to go to the top and let's run a candidate. So somehow I got chosen. 
And the local parents uh, rallied around me and sure enough, I won. I'd never been an elected official before. And I was on the Los Alamitos Unified School Board for about 12 years. Um, and I tried to get things done and it's really hard to, even if you have a majority uh, on the school board because the policies and the procedures and the teachers and the unions are really, really powerful. So even if the school board wants to change, change things, it's really hard to get things done. And at the end of the day, me sticking my head out and trying to make changes led to a union candidate running against me, outspending me, and ultimately I lost by a handful of votes. That gave me an opportunity then to start and, and co-found a charter school in Orange County called Orange County Classical Academy. We're affiliated with Hillsdale College. We're in Orange, California. We're thriving. We've got over a thousand kids on our waiting list to get in. And we're trying to grow as quickly as we can to, um, uh, to provide uh, a better solution, a better education uh, to these kids that's based on Judeo-Christian values, that's based on Hillsdale College's curriculum. Um, and obviously there's a, there's a desire and there's a strong need for that. And parents want that. And I think a lot of parents are sick and tired of what's gone on in our traditional government schools. Um, so, you know, I'm fighting for that. Mary on her end, I'll let her tell her story when the County Board of Education is doing something similar and just trying to make a difference where we, where we can, where we stand. A lot of people like to look nationally and think that the solution is gonna be some national politician that's gonna save us. Reality is that's not gonna happen. What we need to do is fight where you stand in your city, in your town, make a difference there, run for school board, city council, water district, dog catcher, it doesn't matter. Get involved locally, change your own town, and then through the grassroots efforts, we can slowly change the nation. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I love Hillsdale. You know, we've homeschooled um, our girls and used a lot of their curriculum. I think that's great. And um you know, it's interesting because I've gotten um, criticism for saying this, but um, if we can't turn these government schools around and we are running school board candidates and you know, we have an event tonight um, doing that, um, but if we cannot turn it around, we need to beat it yeah. by doing charter schools, by homeschooling our kids, by, you know, what uh, Turning Point is doing with Turning Point Academy and, you know, other things like that need to be happening on the local level, all over the country. Couldn't agree more. And so, um, you know, we got to keep fighting the fight, but hey, if they need to go down in flames because they're continuing to go on this evil, you know, this, this, this path of disintegration, then then fine. Well, right. Well, the reality is uh, parents are leaving traditional schools in, in droves. And you look across the country, there's more homeschoolers, there's people leaving, going to charter schools, private schools, and there's a huge decline in enrollment in traditional government schools. And good, it's time for the government schools to take notice and change or go out of business because parents are no longer going to want to attend attend those schools. Yeah, amen. My, my heart breaks for the, the people that feel trapped because there are people that feel trapped and yeah. that it's their only choice. And... Um, you know, again, I, I love what Turning Point's doing because Turning Point Academy, that's the whole goal is how do we bring it to people who don't feel that they have a choice and provide, you know, alternatives, you know, at a, um, you know, very low cost, you know, um, 
di you know, different ways to do it, to just make it work. And I think that, that we all have to get creative with it. Absolutely. All right, Mary, it's your turn. All right. Well, I don't have a background in education or politics. That's my background okay. is finance. Um, after raising some children, I my new chapter in 2017, I started volunteering for an organization called California Policy Center. They're a nonpartisan think tank. Three projects. One is to defund the unions. The other is a parent union to band parents together to fight the real union. And the third is called California Local Elected Officials. And that is the arm that I direct, and it is we educate and train elected officials to make California more sustainable through school choice, through smaller government, through things like that. So I started volunteering for them, pulling together this program, getting um, statewide elected officials from across the state. Right now we have about 1,300 members that rank from candidates running for school board or or city council to people like Assemblyman Kevin Kiley, Congresswoman Michelle Steele, people that are active in education, want to learn or act as mentors to our other elected officials. While I was doing that, um, California Policy Center convinced me to run for the County Board of Education. And I'm sort of embarrassed to admit this, but I'd never heard of the County Board of Education. Mm -hmm. Even though Jeff was on a local district, I didn't know what they did. So I did a little research. I watched a movie called Waiting for Superman, which absolutely broke my heart. Yeah that a child's life could be determined by a lottery system. So after watching that movie, I decided, all right, I'm gonna do this. It's time to give back. My own children were off in college, and so it was time to do something. I uh, started going to board meetings. I asked the gentleman who's also the founder of California Policy Center if he wanted to attend a board meeting with me. And he said, Mary, those meetings are so boring. I'd rather watch paint dry than go to one of those meetings. I thought, well, if I'm going to run for a position, I need to know what I'm up for. So I started attending the meetings and they were anything but boring because this was, um, let's see, it was late 2017. And so in 2016, the California Youth Act was they, it was passed and to be implemented in 2018. And that's basically sex ed, the new sex ed with all the genders and all the crazy pornographic stuff. So we had all these parents, pastors, grandparents coming to the board meetings, literally talking about sexual things I'd never heard of. And I don't really consider myself crude. And I thought, wow, I'm really in for a little bit more than paint drying. So I went ahead and got elected just barely in June of 2018, won by just 5% against an incumbent who really didn't care about children. And the idea was to flip the board from 2-3 to 3-2. So we flipped it 3-2. And what the county board does is it approves charter schools that have been declined at the local level. So we're an appeals board. We also approve interdistrict transfer. So if a child, if you live in Westlake, but you want your child to go to school in Malibu, Westlake says no way because we want the funding. We don't want to lose it to Malibu. Malibu says no way, you know, and it just, so we can, we can um, switch those on appeal as well. And um, it's been very rewarding. I just got reelected to my second term in June. This time, instead of winning by 5%, I won by let's see, 59 minus 32, 27 points against a union-backed candidate who was brought into the race just to oppose me. And um, so you you could see that parents really got involved and it really didn't matter what party. It's become a nonpartisan race. People saw during the pandemic that the unions did not care about their children and they don't want any union board members. And so um, three of us were up, all three of us won very easily. So we feel that we really have a mandate to continue our work, which is dozens of interdistrict transfers. We feel parents should decide where their children go, not the district. The district disagrees. But when we can vote at least three to two, um, the child gets to go to their school of choice. We've approved five new charter schools. We have expanded dozens of them. 
Um, we also realize that even though we have no jurisdiction over the curriculum at the county, like the district, that we needed to play a leadership role and educate families about what's going on. So the first thing I was elected in June of 2018, by fall, we held a sex ed forum and we let the parents know what was in the curriculum, how they could opt out of the curriculum, how they could see the curriculum, what, what they could do. Uh, the next forum we held was a reopen the schools forum that was in the middle of the pan not in the middle of the pandemic it was june of 2020 right after everything closed down there was nothing we could do to keep it open so we had a bunch of frontline doctors um, we had local elected officials um, all sorts of people that could lend us their expertise charter leaders superintendents about school closures and at the end of that long forum we voted two weeks later. We held a meeting. The union knew the meeting was going to happen to vote to reopen the schools. Now, mind you, we have no authority, but it was just a white paper that we could give to parents to take to their districts or the districts could use. And because the union, of course, wanted to keep the schools closed, they sent BLM, they stormed the meeting. We had to get the riot police, but we did vote to reopen the schools. Of course, they didn't reopen. Because they didn't reopen, we sued the governor. We lost our footing because he left it up to the districts. He no longer kept the schools closed. So we currently have a lawsuit against the governor against the state of emergency. And um, no particular mandate, but he has this in an unlawful state of emergency. So we're going to be back in court on September 22nd. And we are cautiously optimistic that we are pressing forward. It's a nonpartisan lawsuit. We have a Republican attorney, a Democratic attorney. And um, it's a free, it's pro bono. They, that we're not using awesome. any taxpayer dollars. So we are working for the kids however we can. Next week on the 20th, we're actually holding a charter school forum because especially during campaign mode, I discovered again, even four years later after the pandemic, a lot of parents still don't know what a charter school is. They don't realize it's a free school that we take all comers and public funding and all that. So we have Assemblyman Kevin Kiley as one of our experts. We have Democratic Senate leader Gloria Romero as an expert. We have Lance Azumi, who's one of the best education experts in the state who works for um, Pacific Research Institute. Uh, we have another um, kind of legislative guy from California Charter School Association. So we're, we're really excited. We have uh, Senator Bob Huff, former Senator Bob Huff, who also chaired the Education Committee when he was in the Senate with Gloria Romero, who's going to be our moderator. So we're hoping to really educate the public and do some exciting things going forward. We are a wealthy county with about $120 million in reserves. And so we want to see what we can do to, to really help school choice. Oh, that's fantastic. You guys are both superheroes. I love it. Do you know whom you're voting for? With every product you buy and every dollar you spend, you're casting your vote. Devoted Capital offers values-based investing portfolios that are designed to help you reach your financial goals, all the while making a positive impact on your life and the world around you. They are dedicated to educating, engaging, and empowering you to be wise with your investments and to equip you to be knowledgeable with your vote. Visit their website at devotedcapital.com to learn more about values-based investing or dial 805-372-0821 to speak to your values investor advocate today. Investment advisory services offered through Alliance Advisory and Securities, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Um, what do you think? I, I, I'm trying to diagnose, and, I, and I, uh, I think a lot of this just all comes down to money. But, and, and I'll give a funny story that I've talked about before. I, I got to graduate from two high schools, 
And the reason is because I left my um, high school in the San Fernando Valley, LAUSD, to go out here to Ventura County in my senior year. Um, and they graduated me from my previous high school anyway. Of course, of course they, they did. did. Yeah. And they, so I was, you're, I was kept. You're twice as smart. I was kept enrolled. Um, and it was, that was a money thing for them, mm -hmm. of course. And so I was surprised when I got to see my friends graduate. They called my name. Unbelievable. <laughs> you know, and so uh, well, anyway. What school was that? You want to uh, yeah, it was, it was out? Chatsworth High School. Okay. Yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, pretty funny uh, that that's the case. But those were some of those like early indications for me that, okay, this thing is a, all a joke. And it's all driven by... Um, nefarious actors that are interested in keeping their, you know, budgets pumped up and everything else that they need to do. And then I look at the unions and the unions do not care about kids. Um, you know, they'll, they'll run and act as if they do, but when it really comes down to it, it's about their, um, you know, resources, it's about their power, it's about their salaries and, and all of that. And then they do it under the guise of loving kids. Oh That's yes, right. we're just here for the children. But I would have never thought, because, you know, those things make sense to me, but I've never thought that we are in a place right now where they are pushing this crazy sexualization agenda on us, looking at us like we're the crazy people. When we have moral clarity on the idea that you should not sexualize little kids, and yet that's what they're doing. And then going back to your comment about kind of exposing it, making it transparent, they go out of their way to try to obscure, try to hide what they're actually teaching our kids, which is why COVID was a blessing yes. in the sense that people started overhearing mm -hmm. what was going on. And remember, they had pushback on that um, mm -hmm. at the time, like, you know, don't don't let your don't let the parents hear mm -hmm. us. You know, they were really mm -hmm. concerned oh, yeah. about that. And so, uh, again, there's that silver lining. But what? What else do you think is animating this stuff aside from absolute evil and Satan? Mm -hmm. um, what else is driving so much of this? Because I never thought that this would be the battleground that we're in. You know, I, I mean, I honestly think that they're trying to destroy a country and they're going to do it through our children. I mean, there, there's no doubt in my mind. I, I didn't even mention critical race theory. We actually held two critical race theory forums last summer at the right. County Board of Education. And we've had thousands and thousands of views on that to let the parents know what's in that. And now what we're seeing is we're seeing a trend of they're educating the teachers. They're getting this restorative justice training. And we just, we caught a charter school doing it. You know, Gloria Romero, I had lunch with her a few weeks ago and she said to me, you know, Mary, don't think those charter schools were immune from critical race theory. I said, no, I have an idea that that's going on in some of those. Yeah. Not a week later, a parent, a whistleblower came and spoke about the charter school his child was in, that these teachers were getting this restorative justice training. We looked on the website and said, wow, we're not, they wanted to expand to middle school. We said, oh no, you're not expanding to middle school with that contract. They literally canceled the contract and sent us written notice of it. And so, I mean, we're on to them now and they're going to be more careful and parents are watching them, but yeah. even charter schools aren't immune from that indoctrination. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're going to try to keep doing end runs around all of our mm -hmm. efforts for transparency, mm -hmm. all of our efforts to expose mm -hmm. this stuff. Um, the latest news out of Idaho is uh, this drive towards porn mm -hmm. literacy. Mm -hmm. They want to mm -hmm. teach kids porn sure, literacy. Why not? Mm -hmm. um, which again, you know, mind blowing. Now, when you talk to the left and or people who are faking that they're liberals, but they're actually left, um, 
they will tell you straight to your face that, no, no, this is not going on, or these are isolated incidents, or you're blowing things out of proportion. But yet every day there's more and more teachers out there that are confessing on video mm -hmm. to the uh, egregious things that they're doing and how they're subverting our children. And they're giving tips to other teachers on how to subvert well, the kids. The NEA, the head of the National Educators Association, the, the National Union, went went on you know press saying we are going to teach crt in all 50 states all 14,000 school districts you know in the week before somebody saying it didn't exist and yeah. we had james Lindsay. i don't know if you're familiar with oh, james love Lindsay. james he's coming on the show he's yeah. amazing he's well say, say hello i miss him on twitter yeah, he's spoken here um at the church and so, you know he's wonderful yeah yeah so he was one of our experts at our forum came in person was amazing and when somebody asked him how is it that somebody says crt doesn't exist and then you have the head of the nea saying we're teaching it everywhere yeah. he said they're liars they're yeah. all liars and fire them and when he said fire them he meant the the district board members that are allowing that yeah unelect them yeah, and that's what we have to do. And again, I, I think we have a real uphill battle um, with it. And there's, you know, I, I think there's reasons to be optimistic and, and people are winning these races around the country and people are waking up. But unfortunately, in some ways, I don't think it's bad enough yet. And I'll give the example of um, what we think it is, okay? <laughs> but because we're paying attention, mm -hmm. you guys are paying attention. Most people still are not paying attention because they're they're uh, you know hearing from their neighbors. Oh, please, that's not really happening. Oh, it's blown way out of proportion. All of those talking points. Oh, that's the ultra MAGA crowd now. The the you know the dissidents. Parents have gotten complacent. Yeah, over the years and understandably. I mean, when we had little kids, we just assumed that you send your kids to school, they're going to get a high quality education, and they'll come home and be fine. But when you start looking you know, behind the curtain of what actually goes on, you're shocked. Now, you know, most teachers are good mm -hmm. and they want to teach the kids and they're honest, hardworking people, but there's too many that don't, that they want to indoctrinate the kids into their political value system. And parents are unaware of it. And you're right about COVID, that COVID really highlighted what was going on and started waking up parents to the horrors of what was going on in the classrooms, often out of the sight of parents. Yeah, I don't think the teachers are down with this stuff I as much as stuff. as um, uh, maybe it's it's being portrayed. Most um, most I, teachers. I think you have the administrators mm -hmm. and the people are saying this is what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. You know, the, this is what we're going to teach. This mm -hmm. is the new curriculum. Here's mm -hmm. what you're going to do. And, and it takes real bravery to say, no, I'm not going to. Right. Um, and, and we need to let the teachers that aren't down with this stuff, that know that something's wrong, we need to let them know that they're not alone. Well, and you know, Betsy DeVos, um, she, I love what she says. She says, don't call them teachers unions, call them schools unions, because unions are the biggest impediment to both teachers and students. Yeah. And um, many of the teachers love our kids and want to teach them, but it's the unions that are driving this. And some teachers don't even know they can get out of the union. Since Janice passed in 2018, teachers can freely get out of the union or they know they can get out and they're afraid because they're intimidated. Um, and that's that's a big project the California Policy Center has is that we help teachers get out of the union. But that, that's really where the evil comes from. And that's, I think, our number one target is to go after the unions and to make sure we elect 
non-union-backed trustees to all these school boards who will protect the children without influence from the union. So if we can encourage teachers along that line right now, getting out of the unions, Mm -hmm. you know, what what do, from their perception, what do they lose if they're not a part of the union? Nothing. We can provide them better liability coverage, better protection at less money. So not only can they get out of the union, but they can save money. And we've convinced a lot of them, you know, um, CPC has a formal program to get them out. And they save, you know, a typical teacher, I believe, pays around $1,000 a year with um, American Educators Association. And there's another one, Christian Educators Association, maybe. There's two different associations that provide all the same coverage for about 20% of the cost. And they will actually protect you where if the union's not in line with you, they might not even protect you. Yeah, I don't really think they care about no. They don't care about our kids and no. I don't think they care about the teachers. No, they either. care about themselves. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Salary and benefits. That's yeah. what they care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. Well, um, you heard it, teachers. If you listen to the show, get out. Yes, yes. Yeah. And if you need help, call the California Policy Center. We'll For help sure. you. We'll we'll protect them. We'll, you know, the minute we file a lawsuit against the district, oh, sorry, we made a mistake. They immediately refund, you know, all the teachers, you know. Oh, misunderstanding the minute they get some help. And, and that's yeah, the advantage, by the way, of many charter schools. Most charter schools are not unionized. And as a result, they can outperform the local district because they're nimble, they're flexible. And the real difference, there's this misnomer that somehow charter schools are bad, but charter schools are schools of choice. Parents get to choose to send them to a charter school yeah. or not. Yeah. And the other thing it's is- competition. If they're if, not performing, they're not- then if, charter school, if charter schools are doing a lousy job, they go out of business. If a traditional government school does a lousy job, we just fund them more. And yeah. they never go out of business. Yeah, they just say, we need more money. That's why we're not doing That's well. Right. We just need more money. Give us more of your taxpayer dollars and, and we'll, we'll deliver better. Exactly. No, all we do is pay off their pensions. You know, every dollar, 85 to 90% goes towards administration. So it doesn't matter how much money we throw at the district schools, education will never improve. Yeah, well, you know, they've done that with universities. They've done that with our, um, you know, lower education as well. Um, they've over bloated it with administrators like that's been if you and i'm sure you guys have done some studies on these things but i'm sure if you looked at a chart to see what you know how schools were staffed you know 25 30 40 50 years ago versus now from just a teacher to administrator um you know because you got to have the diversity administrators and you have to have you know the uh, the all the new nonsense folks in there as well and so they i think they invent roles for their friends yeah mm-hmm. of course yeah so um, what's new in your world, Dr. Jeff? <laughs> in my world, uh, there's, there's a lot going on. So, you know, obviously most people realize that we're over the worst of the COVID, mm-hmm. um, but the tyranny continues. So California has a law, a bill that's sitting on the governor's desk was passed by both, you know, houses of the, of the legislatures. It's Assembly Bill 2098, and it will authorize the medical board to go after physicians for spreading misinformation and disinformation. And it's interesting, the misinformation is defined as speaking against the established medical consensus. And when you think about it, it's really um, Soviet-like, it's mm-hmm. totalitarian-like, because there isn't such a thing as medical consensus. As a matter of fact, by definition, scientific consensus is not a thing we perform science by challenging consensus. We speak out against it. We debate, we argue, we battle. Um, That's how science and medicine is done. 
you get consensus when you silence voices that you don't agree with. Mm -hmm. So the only reason why there's a perception of consensus is many of the frontline doctors that are speaking out and others are being silenced. Uh, social media platforms are being uh, taken down. Legacy media never covers uh, alternative perspectives. So this notion that there's somehow scientific medical consensus is nonsense. There isn't. And remember, it wasn't too long ago that Dr. Anthony Fauci and even President Biden told us that if you get the vaccine, it will prevent you from getting COVID. No, it's already been memory hold. They didn't say that. They said it. <laughs> and it will prevent prevent the illness from spreading. Yeah. So if I were to speak out and say, you know, it's not a thing. The vaccine doesn't prevent infection. We know that. CDC has told us that now. And it doesn't prevent transmission. That would be considered me spreading misinformation because it's going against scientific consensus. The last time we went through a recession, there were stocks that literally went to zero. Washington Mutual, Lehman Brothers, Chrysler, multiple blue chip stocks went to little or no value almost overnight. Could that happen again? And if it did, are your savings protected? Why not own something that has never been valued at zero? Gold. Historically, your best hedge against inflation, which is rising like a hockey stick as we speak. The savviest Americans diversify their savings to protect them from downturns in the market, from global instability, and from a falling dollar. Do you? Birch Gold Group helps you hold gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. In fact, if you have a 401k or IRA that's underperforming, just text LIBERTY to 989898 and you can convert that into an IRA in precious metals right now. Text LIBERTY to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on diversifying into gold tax-free. Hedge against inflation. Protect your hard-earned money. Get your free info kit by texting LIBERTY to 989898. Do it today. What, what's amazing about that, so there's a Twitter thread this morning, and and basically people are going, okay, we were right. We said this, you know, a year ago, and here, you know, we're, we're all being vindicated. And the answer from the people that were pushing the, the, the other narrative the whole time, who, who now are recognizing that, nope, this isn't it, is like, well, we just have more information yeah. now. So we wow. were right then because we lacked the information. So it's not that we were wrong and you guys were right. right. You guys didn't really know because you guys you guys yeah. were guessing. Yeah. You know. Well, well listen, we're, we're not guessing now about yeah. what they're trying to do to our children. Yeah. So now they want our children down to six months of age to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not my opinion. If you go on the CDC website, and I would encourage your listeners to do that, and you can just Google CDC COVID deaths by age, and you'll get this data. CDC's own website shows that if you're a healthy child, less than 18, the risk of you dying from COVID is 0%, literally yeah. 0%. The number of zeros after the decimal point is so long that it rounds to 0%. So we want to vaccinate a child against an illness that they're not at risk using an experimental product that has no long-term safety studies. That's insanity. But if this bill passes what I just said, would be considered spreading misinformation. But everybody knows, Dr. Jeff, that the mRNA just stays in your uh, you know, body, <laughs> localized area for just a little bit of time. And it, it reduces symptoms and reduces your uh, you know risk of hospitalization. I mean, everybody knows that. Of course. You know, because yeah. it's on Twitter. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, 
What's interesting about what you were saying earlier about suing the governor for the, uh, you know, to end the emergency mm -hmm. order, that's why they're trying to make monkeypox a thing. <laughs> they're, they're really trying to pump that up and it's not working out mm -hmm. as well for them as they'd like, mm -hmm. but boy, would they like those numbers to be mm -hmm. bigger. Um, I saw them advertise that uh, we had our first monkeypox death. Wow. Now, this person was... Um, riddled with all kinds of other issues right. um and but but they were they were almost celebratory about it see we told you guys this is this is something that you know it's going to get get us all so we need to keep this emergency order going well, they're moving on now to the climate change emergency yeah yeah um and and i've i've got uh, somebody coming on next week and we're going to talk about that um because that's one that's very interesting of course you probably saw the project veritas um yeah undercover um you know reporter uh getting the cnn guy to be like yeah yeah you know COVID's over you know but now we get to move on to uh to the next thing that's going to really frighten them and uh and so yeah they're gonna they're gonna double down on that and that will be a major health emergency and that will be something that they're gonna i, I think just go crazy on and we can't water our lawns here in our county no right let's now. just find more reasons for people to leave california yeah 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 well, they're going in droves, folks. Mm -hmm. So, they you know. really are. Um, well, let's let's hit on this uh, um, physician issue a little bit more on this particular bill because the other thing that's happening, and I want to get your take on this, is with post ACA, tremendous amount of consolidation within hospitals, physician mm -hmm. practices, everything else. Everybody got uh, swallowed up. So the um, small physician independent practice associations and things like that are largely going by the wayside because, you know, when you have such complications because of ACA, all of the additional regulations, you know, 18,000 versus 250,000 billing codes and everything all get dumped on to this thing. You now need bigger and bigger organizations just mm -hmm. to deal with how unwieldy it is to practice medicine. That's now. right. Well, what comes with that is, is now you work for somebody that is going to tell you, no, you deliver the care that we are telling you to deliver. And then now that those folks and those organizations are owned by, you know, big companies and all that. So not only are you going to be uh, stifled by legislation saying that you have to conduct your practice in this certain way and give this certain level of established consensus care or whatever, um, now you're going to also be um, controlled by corporate entities in the same way. Yeah, the perverse financial incentives is harming the practice of medicine. Uh, it's harming the doctor-patient relationship like this bill will. So I'm no longer allowed to give informed consent about what's going on with COVID and so forth because technically that's illegal now, it will be. Um, and the consolidation of power is not good. It's important to have independent physicians. I'm very blessed. My physician group is fiercely independent. Love um, we are not associated uh, with any uh, medical institution. Um, so we have the freedom to refer patients to whoever we think is best for them. If you're associated with a medical institution, your paycheck comes from name the institution, then you feel obligated to only refer to doctors that are part of that network to get x-rays, radiology procedures only from that network, to go to pharmacies and labs that are only part of that network. And in many instances, that's not necessarily what's best for the physician. 
So I can choose from anybody that I want, whoever I think is best for that individual patient without fear of reprisal from uh, whoever is paying my paycheck because it's the patient that's paying my paycheck. I work for the patient. I don't work for a healthcare institution. Same thing has happened with COVID, quite frankly. Uh, I wrote an article called Follow the COVID Money. Uh, it's on American Thinker. And it's really all about looking at the perverse incentives that occur. So if you look at the pharmaceutical lobby, for example, they're the largest lobby to the federal government. People always begrudge big oil or teachers unions, and maybe rightfully so. But pharmaceutical companies spend about three times more than the oil industry and almost four times more than the education industry. And right on down the road, so you wonder why, why, are there, there, why aren't there more politicians that are speaking up? That may be part of it. Then you look all the way down to pharmacies. Well, pharmacies also are incentivized. They make about you know 500 bucks from this new Pfizer drug, Paxlovid. They don't make any money if they dispense ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, these so-called controversial drugs. So they have these really bizarro financial incentives all the way to the three-letter agencies up in top, NIH, CDC, FDA, the CDC, 50% of the funding of the CDC comes from industry. So the CDC is supposed to have the back of the American people overseeing you know, various aspects in the FDA of the pharmaceutical industry. But the pharmaceutical industry is funding these industries. So it's the equivalent of, imagine the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency being funded by ExxonMobil. Would, would we take seriously what the, what the EPA was saying? You know, probably not. We need to eliminate that source of funding. These agencies need to be funded by the American people, by the taxpayers only, not by industry. And these folks that have made these terrible decisions at the top, they need to be fired. They need to be replaced. There needs to be accountability and hearings on some of these crazy decisions that were made um, all along the COVID highway. Um, so until we clean that up, we're going to continue to have these problems in medicine, along with the consolidation of physician and physician groups that is not good uh, for patients, not good for doctors either. I think you're being too hard on uh, pharma, and uh, we're going to take a quick uh, <laughs> break. And uh, this show is brought to you by Pfizer. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny uh, because they do own our media. Um, the vast majority of advertising revenue comes from pharma. That's true. Um, and it's something north of 70%. Um, so, of course, they're not going to do anything to run afoul of, you know, their masters. The leading medical journals as well. Yeah. And so you're, you're not ever going to get um, the real data. You're not going to get uh, things that aren't manipulated in their favor. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty gross because what's happened is, and, and I think um, Christians are guilty of this too, unfortunately, but um, we've gotten into um, what's legal versus what's moral on our decision-making on all kinds of things like yeah, this. Yeah. And the fact that that we have, well, hey, yeah, it's legal. Of course they can do this. And we're going down this path, but we haven't asked the question, is it right? Is it moral? Is it a good thing? And we've lost moral clarity yeah. on all of this stuff. I mean, New, New Zealand and the United States are the only countries that allow direct-to-consumer advertising by pharmaceutical companies. I think that's a huge mistake. Yeah, I agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, the other thing that I'm I'm concerned about, and I and I talked um, uh, with um, 
uh, Mark uh, McDonald on this as well is, um, you know, this big push right now that we're seeing towards gender affirming care, mm. which is, uh, you know, creeping into our schools. And um, it's it's becoming like the battleground all of a sudden, you know, we're in a, a pitch battle here in our community because we've been pushing back on this. Mm. And we're being called haters and we're being called haters because we do not want kids to be put on puberty blockers. Mm -hmm. We think that that is evil. We mm -hmm. think that that is abhorrent. We don't think that those kids can make that decision. We don't think the parents can make those decisions because the parents are being manipulated yes. um, psychologically themselves. Because mm -hmm. I do think there's hapless parents that are kind of like caught up and they're being mm -hmm. told um, by psychologists mm -hmm. who are to, who are told that you must affirm gender mm -hmm. and here's the path mm -hmm. that you need to go down mm -hmm. or else you'll lose your license. Mm -hmm. um, and they're being told, hey, do you want a uh, a living daughter or a dead son mm -hmm. kind of a thing? Exactly. And there and so where um, the fact that there is not moral clarity on that issue right now is mind boggling to me. Yeah. If you told my 20 year old self that, um, you know, we people would be advocating for the mutilation, mutilation of kids or the chemical castration of children yeah. or puberty blockers and they're being lied saying, oh yeah, you could just put a pause button on that mm -hmm. and then just start it up whenever you want. Yeah. You know, that is happening right now is just so mind boggling. Yeah, very harmful. I mean, thank God for uh, pastors like Rob McCoy and Jack Hibbs and Tim Thompson and others that are speaking out and rallying their congregation uh, to educate them about what's going on. Yeah, well, I, I think they're, uh, again, you know, you have, I think, those sets of parents that are just caught up. And then I think you do have a fair amount of, you know, Munchausen syndrome by proxy as right. well, where there are activist parents who are into this mm -hmm. and are encouraging. And we know this because we, we see videos of them. You know, they, they love to post it for their own, you know, virtue signaling. Oh, look at my, you know, new non-binary four-year-old. And, and they're putting their kids on display saying, no, now remember what you told mommy. And you see the little coaching going on and some of the stuff that's happening. And I guess it makes them popular in, in their little um, crazy lefty circles. We have two major tragedies in this country that I take personally, and it's poor health and veganism. Battle both by ordering from my friends at Good Ranchers. 85% of all grass-fed beef is imported from other countries, but because they process it here, they can slap the product of USA label on it. Because of this, over 100,000 independent American farms and ranches have closed. Good Ranchers sells 100% American meat. A Good Ranchers subscription locks in your price to protect you against inflation. Enter code LIBERTY at checkout for $30 off plus free shipping or go to GoodRanchers.com slash Liberty. Every item is steakhouse quality and you can order the finest steaks, seafood, and chicken at half the price of those other online meat guys. And I'll tell you, in direct head-to-head -head competition in my discriminating household, Good Ranchers just tastes much better. Enter code LIBERTY at checkout for $30 off plus free shipping or go to GoodRanchers.com slash Liberty. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. So uh, this is one thing that we have to 
all come together on. Anybody who has good sense of any kind has to say, all right, this is a line we can't cross yeah. anymore. You know, the Epoch Times, there's one author in particular, I don't know if you know Brad Jones, but he's just story after story after story. There's so many. He just keeps interviewing these kids between the ages of, you know, 12 and 18 who, you know, transition. Now they want to transition back. And these poor parents were told, as you said, yeah. that's a quote in one of his articles. Do you want a, a, a dead son or an alive daughter that's or what vice they versa? Say. I mean, it's yeah. such a scary thing for these parents that they're losing their children and they're just caught up and you know, it's, it's well, very scary. Well, with the amount of it that's happening right now, you know, number one, you know that it's, it's what they'll say is that, well, it's because they were unwelcome before and they had to hide and they, you know, now they get to be their true authentic selves. And so all of a sudden you have, you know, 10 kids in one classroom that are all saying that, hey, yeah, I'm non-binary. It's revered and it's encouraged. Um, it is. It's popular. It's a social contagion. Well, um, what we're being told, and this is a part of the gaslighting, is that, oh, well, look, studies show that they're much happier now and all this stuff. Oh, no. Wait a second. Oh, no. We don't have enough time, number one. <clears throat> and every day what's going to be exponentially increasing are the are the kids that start to wake up and go, wait a second, I'm what did I do? I'm still miserable. Exactly. And, and now I can't have kids. Right. And I've damaged myself. I've cut off my breasts. Mm -hmm. You know, that is going to be happening like crazy. And, and um, to you idiot detractors out there that think this is a cool thing, um, we are going to have an endless line of people that are regretting this. And I've yeah. got I've got that I've got a number of them coming on this show. So because I was told, oh, yeah, show me somebody who's not happy I, now. I have, I, have what? I have a mom in my practice whose daughter transitioned to be a male um, is in college now uh, back east somewhere. And this daughter who transitioned to be a male is now dating a man who transitioned to be a, a girl. And I said, listen, you know, at the end of the day, I hope she's happy. At least she's happier, right? He now, at least he's happier, right? Mom said, no, antidepressants, miserable, depressed. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's horrible. It's, it's not a solution, but we're allowing it on our watch. Yeah. And, and, uh, boy, I think, you know, justice for these parents is going to come It may not, uh, you know, be, uh, here now, but I mean, if, if you aren't, you know, providing your child appropriate way through the natural confusion that comes from adolescence, and if you aren't helping them to see through that fog and guiding them down appropriately down that path, you know, you're going to answer for the abuse that you I put agree. them through. And if you're, listen, if you're a parent and this is happening to your kid, and they're allowing that and encouraging it at your school, get the heck out of that school, remove your child from that school, put them in a homeschool, a charter school that shares your values, uh, remove them from those friends that are terrible influences on them. Um, you, you have to, as a parent, take charge and be involved um, and not allow this to happen. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's frightening to me, um, and and I feel terrible for the kids. I feel terrible for for kids that are being caught up in this stuff. For sure, no no different than um, you know the the uh, the sadness you would feel for the uh, trend that went on for a while that's suddenly kind of gone. But the cutting trend that yeah. was that was a manifestation of the same kind of thing that right. was also within female circles. At least it was more reversible though, you know, this transition. Yeah, you know, is... uh, yeah, you could have some some scars that you may live with for life, but you didn't 
cut off your genitals, right? You know, I mean, that that is just, it's mind boggling that, that we're, we're facing that. And it's mind boggling that these school boards are supporting this in the schools because yep. that's what's also happening. Mm. Parents need to really step up and get and re-engage and get more involved in their own kids' education and their own kids' uh, you know, social upbringing. Yeah, amen. Well, in the uh, remaining, you know, five minutes that we have here, um, how do we support the both of you? Um, you know, do you have some encouraging words for the audience that, uh, you know, we, I, I bum people out a lot because we're talking about some pretty heavy stuff on a regular basis and God is in charge. Uh, we serve an amazing Lord, but people need some encouragement. You know, I think as far as education and parents, I think we're going to see a parent revolution in November. I've never seen so many parents running for office, so many people running for school boards. I know there's a statewide shortage of things like treasures for these candidates. They can't find treasures because typically the incumbent would just rerun. Nobody wouldn't oppose them, you know, what whatever would happen. And now you have all these parents who don't know a lot at the California Policy Center, my role as director of Clio, I get calls every day, Mary, how can you help? What can you do? We actually produced a handbook, a 30 page handbook to help them. But it's, um, I think we're going to see a parent revolution. And I think that if these candidates continue to work hard and they touch people and they let people know that they care about the kids, I think they're going to win in November. And I think you're going to see some big changes when you have parent-driven school boards instead of union-driven yeah. school boards. And I'm really excited about yeah, that. Yeah, that is encouraging. And, you know, I don't think we're going to have success everywhere no. Um, no. because it's a lot of people are just like, boom, mm -hmm. waking up now. And uh, and the, um, the left and those terrible forces have been at this for, you know, decades yes. at this point yeah. where the rest of us have been, you know, out busy working and doing other productive things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but the more people just start now and get involved and keep running and keep after They're it and right, keep going. Right keep attending, yeah. yep. keep yeah. attending the board meetings and, and keeping these people accountable. You yeah. know, we found that parent voices work. I mean, they were going to mask the kids in LA and parents just said no, you know, and people have to stand up. And I think finally our voices are being heard and if parents stand up, I, I think it works. Here, here, here's the message that I'd like to, to give. You know, people often look at me and Mary and they, think we're some sort of, you know, hero, whatever, something special. We're just average people, average people that had an opportunity to step up and, and get involved. And anybody out there can, I'm just an average guy, um, and get involved. And if you're not the kind of person who wants to get involved, run for, run for elected or, or whatever, then support somebody that's doing that. We can no longer afford to be on the sidelines and just watch this show. You have to get involved yourself, run for election, so, or support a candidate that's running for election. You can support a candidate by donating to them. You can support a candidate by walking for them. Find a local candidate if you're not going to run yourself and support them. It's no longer acceptable for you to stay at home and just watch TV and follow what's going on. We're going to lose our country. If the average citizen doesn't step up, um, step out and get involved in your local uh, town and make a difference. I think that's great. Um, how do uh, people follow you both? And I mean, I'm just my name, Mary Barkey, Mary with an I, Barkey with an E, at Mary Barkey on Twitter, Mary Barkey on Facebook, Mary Barkey on Instagram. Wonderful. Very okay, easy. easy. Anybody can reach out to me by Mary at MaryBarkey.com. Again, Mary with an I and Barkey with an E. 
All right, and, awesome. And for me, RX for Liberty, RX for F O R Liberty uh, dot com or on Instagram or on Twitter. Awesome. And informed and informed dissent. Informed dissent on all the usual podcast outlets, including Apple Podcast and Spotify. Come come join us and leave us a message. Yeah, I think you guys do a nice job on yeah, that. So it's you. worth it's worth a follow for sure. Well, thank you both for uh, spending this time with me and thanks uh, for driving up and being in studio as well. I know it's not easy. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. All right. Take care. You too. Thank you for joining us on Liberty Station. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us on Rumble, Liftable TV, or Spotify, or anywhere that you consume podcasts. Please text these episodes to your friends and support our advertisers.